I was thinking this week as, as I was preparing for the message and reading through the passages, thinking about the ocean. And obviously here we don't have the ocean to, to really enjoy in Montana, but, but many of us have experienced the ocean. And, and I love standing on the ocean beach with my toes in the sand. Have you ever done that? Have you ever stood on the beach with, with your toes in the sand as the water kind of comes and, and, and brushes up against your toes and splashes your toes and, and water rises past your feet up to your ankles or knees or if you hit that big wave, it splashes up even further and then it recedes back and, and as it does, it dances over the shells and the rocks and anything else that's, that's in its path. And, and as that water rolls back, your feet begin to sink deeper and deeper into the sand until, until sometime you get ankle deep in that, that, that sand as the, the ocean comes and recedes and comes back. And, and what happens is, is your weight is collapsing the, the, the pockets of air that are underneath the, the sand that you're standing on and the water that comes in, it fills those pockets, but when it leaves, it, 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 it leaves it just air and that collapses and you sink. And I love that feeling. That feeling of, of sinking into the sand and the warm grains just pushing you know, over the tops of my ankles and, and, and the water splashing on my feet and legs. I love the ocean breeze. You know, that, that, that smell that, that you get from just being at the ocean. And I love how small I feel compared to the vast ocean that extends far beyond what my eyes could ever see. I love the power of the ocean to it. It humbles me to know that the waves that I'm standing and then the waves that are breaking against my ankles have the power to shape, have the power to shape the entire coastline. Uh, my family, because my parents live over in, in southern Washington, we often vacation in central Oregon, and, 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 and they have beautiful rock formations like Haystack Rock, which actually there's two different Haystack Rocks in Oregon, if you're curious. And, and, and the one you see now is, is one that we visit frequently as a family. And they have these other great cliffs. And, and during... During a storm, a single grain of sand that's resting peacefully on a beach can be buried 30 feet underwater in a matter of moments. Uh, a single grain of sand that's, that's resting peacefully on a beach can, can move miles in a few hours as it's transported by the power of the ocean. The ocean is, is truly a powerful place, yet it pales in comparison to the power and might of our God. The, our God, who, who spoke and the world was formed, who said, let the water under the sea be gathered to one place, let dry ground appear, and it was so. God, who, who holds storehouses of snow in the heavens and, and tells the thunder and lightning where to go, is so much more powerful than we could ever imagine. He's so much more powerful than the world that he created. And he loves to use his creation is an example to us of how we should respond to Him. He loves to use His creation as an illustration to us for our lives. And this morning, as we continue in the Sermon on the Plain, I want to look at two examples from this passage that teaches how we are to live. The illustrations come at, towards the end of, of the sermon, and, and Pastor Paul has been preaching on it for the last few weeks, but uh, if you haven't joined us, that's fine. This is, is good still. If you have joined us, that's, that's even better. But open your Bibles, if you have them, to Luke chapter 9. Sorry, Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 43. Luke 6, 43 says, No tree bears bad fruit. Nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings out good stored up. Good, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. 
And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? It's for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who who dug deep down and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house and it could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Jesus uses these two illustrations of of the trees and and the, the, the foundation to teach his disciples, both those who were with him in Galilee 2,000 years ago and those of us today, that we need to not merely listen to the words and teachings of Jesus, but we need to do what he says. We need to put them into practice. More than going through the motions or, or more than making a checklist of things that we must do to be a good Christian, we must pursue God with all of our heart. The big idea for today is, is really verse 45, which says a good man brings, up good, brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. The truth is we reproduce what we are. If we're full of Christ, then we will reproduce him in our lives. We will reproduce him through our actions. If, if we're full of self, then selfishness will flow out of us. If, if we're full of the world, then worldliness will be the natural outflow. The mouth speaks. Uh, our actions give life to what our heart is full of. The person who has a, a simmering rage that's, that's in their heart may do well for the most part to, to keep it tamped down, to, to keep it under wraps. They, they may learn ways to diffuse their anger, like counting to ten or, or something like that when they feel it rising up. But, but when the person gets shaken unexpectedly, they often explode. Parents, I think we have a pretty good idea of, of what this looks like right now, especially during this time where everyone seems to be stuck at home together. It's easy for us to be patient with our kids most of the time. But when they interrupt us for the umpteenth time for that day, with, with seemingly nothing to say, just wanting to bug us and instead of allowing us to be productive, we can crack. Our temper can erupt like a volcano and we can spew bitterness, anger, and malice onto those we love the most. If anger resides in our heart, it will find a way out. And our response to such negative actions, our response to, to such things in our lives is simply to try to behave better, to, 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 to try and work harder to act in a way that is more consistent with the character of Christ. This is what the Pharisees and the other religious leaders of Jesus' day did. They modified their behavior. They created rules for themselves and for others to make sure that they did not behave in a way that was contrary to what God was calling them to. Pastor Paul last week mentioned that the Sabbath rules that the Pharisees created to help them to not break the Sabbath law. They, they, they created laws that said, like, we cannot start a fire because that would be work, or, or you cannot write more than two letters, or you cannot walk more than a kilometer because then you would be breaking the Sabbath. They built rules around God's rule to ensure that their behavior did not violate God's laws. Jesus decries this behavior in Matthew chapter 23, verses 27 and 28, as he says this. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside they are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. 
In the same way, out of the, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. The problem was not that their actions were wrong, but their hearts were not dedicated to God. They were fixated on their external behavior, not on their inward heart. They were honoring God with their lips. They were honoring Him with, with their actions, but their hearts were far from Him. That same temptation exists for us today as well. We can look at an action that we have, say anger, and we can seek to eliminate that from our lives. We can modify our behavior in such a way that that we would do so without changing our hearts, or, or rather we would do so without allowing God to change our hearts. When the going gets tough, however, the true self crops up and the facade is destroyed. When I was a kid growing up, I had a, 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 a language problem, we will call it. Um, I had a, a foul tongue. And, and I tried when I became a Christian as hard as I could to, to modify that, to, to stamp out those things. And I did it by trying harder, by changing my actions, by doing exactly what the Pharisees did. But, but the problem is, is that when I get pressed those things can still crop up sometimes. So a number of years ago, Becky and I were, were driving down the road and, and the car, we hit black ice, the car went squirrely. My wife, who, who is a saint, um, started praying. I said other things. And, and it tro- showed me what was truly there. Like what, what, when I was pressed, what truly came out. What came out of my wife was, was seeking God. What came out of me was, was four-letter words. Our change in actions must follow a heart change. If it does not, then we are no different than the Pharisees. It won't take. The difference, the difference is that of doing versus being. It's not about doing the right thing, saying the right thing, acting the right way. It's about being the right person. From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The body behaves. The point of what Jesus is saying in these two illustrations is that our heart must be built upon the right foundation first. We, if we try to build our lives on the foundation of looking good for others or doing, doing behaviors for, for other peoples, then we will crumble and falter. We must first give our lives to our Heavenly Father. Allow Jesus' forgiveness to wash over us to cleanse us and for His Holy Spirit to come and to fill us, change our heart of stone into flesh, a heart that can be molded then by God, the God that we serve. The only way to truly do the right thing is to have the right heart first, to have a heart that is captivated by Jesus, that is cleansed by His blood and controlled by His Spirit. Once our heart is in the right place, then we are able to put into practice the words that Jesus has spoken. What, what exactly are the words that Jesus tells us to put into practice? And, and how do we do that? How do we practice what he preaches? I think it's easy for us just to assume that, that when Jesus tells us to, to put these words into practice, that he's talking about the Old Testament or, or the rules and laws that, that we know that, that they were supposed to follow. We must remember, however, Jesus is talking specifically here about the sermon to which he just preached. The sermon on the plain or, or the sermon on the mount. 
When I read the passage, I tend to, when I read this passage, I tend to go directly to the do's and do nots that we're supposed to do. You know, do this, do that, do not do that. You know, thou shalt not do this. And I formulate a list of things that I need to put into practice or things that I need to stop practicing. But that misses the point of what Jesus is teaching. Jesus is calling us not to follow a list, but to allow him to change our hearts and to change our attitudes as a result. To practice what Jesus preaches We must decrease, and he must increase in our lives. And this doesn't come from following a list. It it comes from pursuing our Savior. When we yield our lives to him, when we recognize that he is far greater than we will ever be, then we can begin to live as he calls us to. And looking at the previous words of Jesus' sermon here, it's all about living for something more than ourselves. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger, those who weep now, those who are persecuted. Each of these describes someone who is living a life that recognizes that there is more to life than making oneself happy or making oneself content or satisfied. The woes that Jesus proclaims are against those people who are living for today, whose God is their stomach, as Paul writes. They live for today. They live for their comfort, their ease, for temporary happiness. They live only for today with no thought of tomorrow. It's not to say that people who are, who are not believers cannot be kind or generous or thoughtful. I know plenty of non-Christians who, who are very kind and giving, but ultimately their motives are not as selfless as that of Christ's. They are self-motivated. Jesus tells a story of a certain person like this uh, in the story of the rich young ruler, or the story of the rich young man, which is found in Luke chapter 18. Starting in verse 18, he says this. He says, a certain ruler asked him, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Or good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus replied. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. The list of do's and don'ts, right? And he says, all these, verse 21, all these I have kept since I was a boy. When Jesus heard this, he said, You are still lacking one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. The rich young man had done many good things. His actions were there, but his heart was set on his wealth and not on God. And because of that, he missed out on the opportunity to follow Jesus. The life that Jesus preaches for us to live is one motivated by something far greater than ourselves. We are to be motivated to do the will of God through the Spirit of God for the love of God. And trying to make God love us by behaving in a certain way is what the Bible refers to as works. It's trying to earn a love that has been freely given to us. Following the rules because it will make God happy with you, is incorrect thinking. God loves you completely. Jesus died on the cross for you. What we do, how we act, is to be a response to that love, not an effort to continue to earn it. The foundation that we are to build our lives upon is the truth of the gospel, that we are in desperate need of a Savior. Building a house on a foundation of works or of self will only lead us to crumble and fall in the shifting sand. Our lives will produce good fruit when this Holy Spirit is living within us. 
And they'll produce bad fruit when we live without him. A good man or a good woman brings up good things stored out of the good, or brings good things out of the good stored up in his or her heart. That is the big idea for today. That's the main idea of Jesus teaching through this sermon. So, so if I have a heart that is in Christ, if my heart is already good and found in him, how do we proceed? If we've given our heart to Jesus already and we're living for him, how then do we apply these words into our lives? Because we have a temptation here to say when we're a Christian that, you know, I have Christ so I can tune out. This, this message isn't about me. This message isn't for me because, because my life is already producing good fruit. But that's simply not the case. Just because we've been declared perfect in the sight of God does not mean that we are perfect in practice. Our lives can tell us that truth. There are times when we allow ourselves or our flesh to get the best of us. There are times when we revert back to living selfishly. The Sermon on the Plain is a great reminder to all of us to continue to depend on God for our everything. We need to have the attitude that Jesus speaks of when he calls us the poor in spirit and those who hunger and thirst for righteousness blessed. We need to have that same hunger for him and we need to have that same attitude of of being poor in spirit. We need to guard our hearts against the temptation of seeking first our pleasure and our comfort. As Christians, we are to continually work with the Holy Spirit to bring about the character of Christ in our lives. We must continually yield our will to the will of God so that we can be made more like Him. This is an ongoing process that starts when we become a Christian, not one that ended when we decided to follow Him. For us who serve our Savior, this passage is a reminder not to grow soft and complacent, but to continue to humble ourselves before our Lord and seek Him first. You know, during these interesting times that we live in, I think this passage serves as a great opportunity for us to check and see what is in our hearts. What is coming out of you during the COVID pandemic? You know, often during stressful times, we see our true selves, our true character revealed. When we're pressed, we often see what leaks out of us. For many of us, these certainly have been trying times. I was talking with a friend the other day and reflecting on my family and how our lives have changed in the last six weeks. Every member of my family has had this pandemic change their life in in a dramatic manner. My, My children last went to school on March the 13th. That's a month and a half ago. Jackson was, was actually at a basketball tournament, and they canceled the last day of the tournament and sent everybody home. Sports seasons have been canceled for my daughters who are going to do track. Becky has, has made it to the university one day in the last month. Ministry has changed dramatically over the last six weeks. We went from being really busy as a family four or five nights a week from running to and fro and everywhere to to being home 24 hours a day. The most exciting thing happening in our our lives is is Zoom Taekwondo, which happens a couple times a week, or, or Zoom bassoon lessons for Jackson. We're all working at home, each on our own computers each using the same internet, each trying to get along in the same space, trying not to scream at each other, and trying desperately not to go find a corner just to cry in. And many of you have similar experiences, adjusting to the new normal. And that even seems to change each and every day and each and every week. 
And when we go through trying times like this, or, or like 9-11 20 years ago, fear is the response that creeps up in us. And I see much fear in our world today. And it's not just fear of the virus. I think it's easy to say, you know, there's people that fear the virus, but, but there's fear in all aspects. There, there are many people who fear that our government is taking away our rights. They fear that our rights are being stolen from us. There, there are many who fear an economic collapse that we'll suffer great loss financially and we'll never recover from this pandemic. I think of those who, who have recently retired and watched their, their life savings disappear. There are those who, who fear contracting COVID and, and getting sick or, or, or even worse, passing along this illness to someone who's unable to fight off the virus. There are those who fear contributing to this pandemic unwittingly through their actions. There's a portion of a population that is simply anxious about the uncertainty and unknown that surrounds us. Not knowing what will happen from day to day or, or from hour to hour can be trying. It can be fear-inducing. And so there's a lot of fear I see in our world today. The COVID pandemic has taken almost each and every one of us out of our comfort zones. We've been placed in a situation that is unfamiliar, that is challenging, that is scary. And as Christians, we have a firm foundation that we, from which we can weather this storm. But there are moments that we forget this truth. I'm reminded of the Apostle Peter, uh, who, whose name was Simon, and changed to Peter, which means the rock, because Jesus knew that he was going to be a rock. But, but before he really became the rock, he struggled. And, and so one day Jesus was preaching and he loaded the disciples up in the boat and he sent them off and, and they left and he stayed beside on the shore to pray. And during the middle of the night, this storm arose on the lake and, and the guys were there paddling and then they were fighting the storm and Jesus comes walking out to them on the water. And Peter, as he's standing there, rightfully is, is afraid. He thinks it's a ghost that's coming out to him. And, and Jesus assures him and he says, no, it's not a ghost, it is I. And Peter demanded, he said this, he said, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come out on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. And this is the verse I love. It says, but when he saw the wind... He was afraid and began to sink, crying out, Lord, save me. When Peter saw the wind, when, when he saw the dire situation that he was in, when he realized that he was out on the water, walking on the water, fear took over and he began to sink. Does that describe you at times? Are there moments in your life where you have this great faith, this great confidence in the Lord, but then you see the situation that you're in or you see what's going on around you, you see the problems that are around you, and you begin to feel fear creep in. You begin to allow doubt to creep in. Know that you are in good company. And know that Jesus is not afraid of your doubt. He's not disgusted by your lack of faith. Know that Jesus will continue to be there to help out during your times of crisis and fear. Knowing that Jesus is with us through it all, that He will never leave us nor forsake us, Freezes to consider best how we may respond during this crisis. I've been humbly inspired by the churches around the city and around the world as they've responded with the love of Christ during this unique time. I've seen local churches buying pizza for, for hospital staff 
to help them out and just as a way of saying thanks and showing love and support. I've seen other churches around our, our community putting baskets of food and other supplies together for people just to come to the church porch and take and, and share. And I've seen churches doing drive-up food pantries. Or, or I heard of one church that's delivering ice cream to children via drone. There's other churches that are buying gift cards to local restaurants and, and giving those gift cards to the frontline workers. I've watched a number of people in our own church who have called and asked how they can help others in our church family. God's people are so incredible. And I want to ask you, are you shining or are you shrinking back right now? Are you allowing the love of God to shine forth through you to the world around? Or are you hiding in a corner, hoping and waiting for this all to go and to pass? A few weeks ago, I, went, I saw that the Red Cross was, was looking for blood volunteers, that they needed volunteers because they weren't able to do as many blood drives. So, so I decided to go in and give platelets and, and plasma. So I signed up to do that. And, and mind you, it's been almost two years since I last gave to the Red Cross because the last time I did, I, I went in and I, I gave my platelets and I, I was in the recovery and I stood up and I passed out. And as soon as I passed out, I hit my head on the counter, I gashed my head, and I got a concussion. And I woke up moments later having no idea what was going on. And so I've been a little hesitant to give again to the Red Cross. And honestly, they haven't called me to ask. But, but I decided, you know what, they need it. I'm willing to do this. So, so I, I, I sucked it up, and I decided to give them a call. And so the day of my appointment, I, I was getting ready, doing everything I was supposed to, and they called me that morning and said, Sean, we, we had a tech that's not able to come in today. We can't take your plasma. And in fact, it's really going to be a few more weeks before we're able to, to do so because we're so busy with other people. And I thought, you know what? They don't need me. So instead of being persistent and scheduling a new appointment, I let it go. I made an excuse that they didn't need me. It was, it was easier to do nothing than it was to work at doing something. And I'm not saying that I was shining the light of Christ through giving blood, but, but it was easier for me to be comfortable. And it's easier for us to be comfortable than it is to do good. And that's a tendency that we must fight against. What are you doing to shine the light of Christ? Or, or maybe even a better question, what is God calling you to do to shine right now? What is stopping you from shining the light and love of Christ into the world around you? Is it fear? Is it, is it apathy? Is it busyness? Uh, what is stopping you? The church of Christ has an unprecedented opportunity to demonstrate to the world in which we live what it is like to live with our lives built upon the firm foundation. So our lives built upon the foundation so that when storms hit, we are not shaken and destroyed. We all have an opportunity to help those whose lives are built on the ground without a foundation by showing the love of Christ and the hope that we have to those around us. We have an opportunity to share our fruit with others. So as the worship team comes back, I want to encourage you again to allow the Holy Spirit to continue to change your hearts and actions. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. Let the goodness of Christ shine through everything you do, especially as we continue to navigate this pandemic. Shine 
brightly the love of Christ that is within you. Guard yourselves against the trap of legalism, which tempts us to perform and works, uh, perform and do works for the approval of God and others. Allow true change to come as we allow God to change us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to shine brightly for you. Thank you so much that we have a firm foundation upon which we are built. Thank you for your Son dying on the cross for us that we may stand on Christ the solid rock and not on the things of this world, not on our own actions or our works. I pray, Lord, that you will work mightily in us. I pray that you will work mightily through us so that the world may see you in our lives, in our actions, in our hearts. We need you. Jesus, we need you to calm the fears that we have, to teach us to trust even more. We need you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.